RecruitersLiveLounge.com, episode two. This episode is sponsored by EasyPay. EasyPay provide funding, payroll, and back office services to support the recruitment industry. All your back office admin is done under one roof. Their team will become an extension of your own. EasyPay want to offer one month's free fees to any new customers who come through Recruiters Live Lounge. Just go to easypayservices.co.uk forward slash rec live lounge or quote Recruiters Live Lounge when calling them. RecruitersLiveLounge.com, where you get to hang out with the most inspiring recruitment business leaders on the planet. Hosted by Roy Ripper. Hello and welcome back to Recruiters Live Lounge, um, where you get to meet and hang out with some of the most inspirational recruitment business leaders on the planet. And I'm really, really excited to be able to welcome my dear friend, Dan McGuire, CEO and founder at Cube19. Now, I don't know whether all of you will know Dan, but he started his recruitment career aged 18 when he joined Computer Futures, and that was back in 1999, if you can think back that long. Um, And he sold his last business, Broadbean Technologies to Daily Mail and General Trust back in 2008. Now, since then, Dan's an active investor, predominantly in other recruitment tech startups. And uh, Dan's a former winner of the CBI uh, Real Business Young Entrepreneur of the Year. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Hey, Roy, how you doing? I'm really, really well, Dan. So listen, before we get going, tell us a bit more about you and what you do at Cube19. Well, I, uh, I spend most of my time on Cube19, uh, uh, 99% pretty much. Um, <clears throat> we're trying to build a, a, a analytics and gamification business, specifically focusing on the recruitment industry. Um, we've been going now, uh, getting on for three years since we launched, it'll be three years in May. Wow. We've hit the magic number 19 in terms of employees, so I think we're just going to stay there for forever. <laughs> Uh, and then I spend the other um, small amount of my time working uh, on the board at EBSTA as a non-exec director at EBSTA. Fantastic. Cool. Thanks for that, Dan. Listen, let's get started. I'm itching to ask you uh, some of these questions, questions that in all the time I've known you, maybe I haven't asked, but definitely to get them on camera. Are you ready to go? I'm, I'm ready. All right. Let's Good. Let's get going. Dan, um, what's your favorite success quote? I, my favourite success quote is actually it's a Tony Robbins one, and uh, not to get sort of all like you know motivational and going crazy or anything at the moment, but there's this quote I can't remember the exact way around it goes, but it's something like um, uh, success is is doing what you want when you want where you want with who you want as much as you want, and I really like that, and it's not necessarily so much about a you know a business success quote as in. When you run a business, you can't do <laughs> you can't do any of that for, no. for pretty pretty much. Uh, you know, you've got all these other priorities. But that to me, that, I feel that's what I strive for. That's what you know. I think I'd like to have in life. And if you can do all of those things, or even even a, a, you know the majority of those things, and I think you've probably done pretty well. I think that's I think it's a great quote, Dan. I, I, I like that. And um, it, you know, so much of what Tony Robbins says 
is is so applicable. People go, oh, you know, but it's it's a truism. And well, the reason why, or a cliche, the reason why. You know, some of the things that, that Tony and other inspirational guys say is that, you know, that, that, that it's a, a cliche or a truism is because generally it's true. You know, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love that one. I really do. The, yeah, the, yeah. I think it's not necessarily about money, that one either. You know, I mean, a lot of people would always sometimes think that, that success is about money. And actually, it isn't. Success is really just about being happy. And the more the more choices, you, the more things you can do that you like doing and the less of the things that you don't like doing, the happier I think you're likely to be. And that. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's got to be all about cash, does it? I think that's a great um, uh, kind of summing up or definition of success. I like that one a lot. Now, Dan, look, at Recruiters Live Lounge, we like to take our viewers and listeners on a journey. And um, you, you and I both know that behind every inspiring leader, uh, there's a whole heap of things, mistakes that we make, and, and that's how we learn. What What's been your biggest... Um, failure or the biggest uh, challenge that you've faced in recruitment or you know around the recruitment businesses you've been involved with well to be fair this did actually work out you know pretty well for me in the end but I if I go back uh, to 2001 2002 so okay. I was at the time I was still working as a recruiter I was working the web hosting market okay so we just had you know the dot-com crash we'd had y2k uh, I remember know, that <coughs> We'd had, you know, and, and we'd had 9-11, and so the market itself generally was, was kind of on its ass. I was working the web hosting market. My market was just going swimmingly. Okay. So, but I'm, you know, at this point, I'm like 20 or 21. So I, I suppose there's probably a, sort of a little bit of a naivety in it that, you know, I, I've cracked it. You know, okay. I've got it, and uh, you know, billing well. I've got lots of customers that want to spend lots of lots of money and hire lots of people. And what what hadn't occurred to me was that. All of my customers' customers <laughs> had all been going bust. Ouch. And my customers were still carrying on for quite a while with the funding that they had. Right. It just didn't occur to me. And maybe if I sat and thought about it for just a minute, I would have been able to work it out. I'm a reasonably smart guy, but I think I was just riding the wave a bit too much. And then within three months, my three biggest customers all went bust. Ouch. You know, or pulled out their funding pulled or pulled out the UK or something like that. And I remember it because I was about to go on my... I've been allowed, because I've been doing well, I was practically the only person that was doing well at the time. Right allowed to, to, to go out on my first client lunch so we were off to the oxo tower and uh i remember getting a phone call about 20 minutes before i left saying sorry uh, lunch is off and i said well don't worry you know, we, we can rearrange you he said no no you understand not only is lunch off but the company is going bust oh, no. and i'm phoning you now out of courtesy and when i leave i'm going to probably take the phone with me because i won't be getting paid and, oh you know, my god people were running out of the buildings or grabbing whatever they could get you know looting the place and uh and it just kind of hit me. And I remember putting the phone down and just sitting there in sort of stunned silence for a couple of minutes and realising okay. the enormity of what had just happened to my career. You know, imagine. my commission was gone. Company wasn't going to get paid. <laughs> customers were gone. And so, uh, and, and that, it hit me really hard. It hit me really hard. And, uh, but, you know, but what, what ended up coming out of it was I decided at that point that I've been doing recruitment three or four years by that point. Uh, and I decided that that was probably a good time to try something else. And that was when Kel and I started talking and went into business together on, on Broadbean. So well, not, 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 you know, not in the sort of hours and you know, days afterwards. It was several weeks, a couple of months afterwards that that happened. But it was out of that kind of adversity that that opportunity presented itself. And Dan, isn't that the case, though? You know, it's like it's almost like that sliding door syndrome. 
in the height of that, or sorry, in the depth of that despair and that darkness, you were like, oh my God, you know, the whole thing is falling down. And then all of a sudden, another opportunity, you mentioned there Kelly Robinson, um, you know, with, with Broadbean, that opened up and, and your, your life phenomenally changed, uh, you know, ever since. So I, I love those types of stories as well. Big failures, but, you know, and, and, and adversity that we face. But yeah, that sliding doors one's a good one as well. You know, I, I, I was talking to someone about this the other day, and I think you probably get, uh, you can actually look back, you know, you never know it at the time, you never know it at the time, but no. you can look back and you probably get three or four of those moments in your whole life yeah. where you can look back and you say, you know, that decision that I made or that thing that happened and it sent me in a different direction and that had it have not happened, you know, you, you, you don't know where you would have been, but you do for certain know it would have been somewhere totally different to where you are. And, and you know, and I, and I think that's you know, it's a really interesting point. <laughs> it doesn't work out so well for, for other people. They have these moments, and that's it. <laughs> you sure. know, crash and burn. But, sure. but fortunately, uh, <laughs> fortunately, that didn't happen for me. Well, you know what? Even in those crash and burn situations, I'm sure, and it is, it's really difficult. Look, if if you're the person who's you know, life or career or whatever has gone down at that crash and burn moment. It's really hard to look at it and go, well, hold on a second, where was the learning moment for me? Or where was that sliding door? It's not always apparent to us, but, you know... Well, it feels like crash and burn in that moment, doesn't it, it? In that moment, you feel like that's it. You know, I just, exactly. I feel like everything I worked for was over. Although, but, you know, I was 21. I mean, I had, you know, I'd only been working for a few years. and But at the time, when you're that age, it feels like... That feels like it, you know, it feels like it's over. <laughs> it's your world has crashed, absolutely yeah. right. So, Dan, look, talk to us about the, um, you know, the eureka moment, if you like, when uh, everything, you know, it's the light bulb thing. It's everything clicks into place. What was that moment for you, that specific moment for you? I, I actually, I think it was around, I don't know, it probably must have been about 2003. So, Broadbeam okay. was going, we've been going probably a year by this point. And... What hit me was that, and this sounds re really simple, but people don't really seem to, uh, and even now today, this still, still happens frequently, you can have a great product with really bad service, yeah, and you can have a really bad product with really great service, and you're probably more likely with the second one to get a bit further. Right. But for some reason, people never seem to combine that. Certainly at the time back then, when I think about who we were competing with, they weren't particularly great products, and a service was in many cases pretty ordinary pretty shocking yeah and so it just seemed to me that if you just if you just strive to build a great product and went out of your way to provide a really really great service with it it would take you somewhere and and usually that somewhere would be a lot better than if you know a lot of, yeah, a lot of people build great products and they get a bit arrogant about it and it's kind of like if you don't want to buy our product then whatever yeah and that you know i always i always hated that and and then and once i kind of had realized that um, and these probably sound like really obvious things, but I, I look back now and I was, you know, I really was quite young and quite naive at, at points. So maybe people spotted this way before I did. But having kind of realized that, that, you know, we did have a good product and actually people liked us. You know, we worked yeah. really hard for them. We really went out of our way to, to provide a great service. And at the time, for not a lot of money. Yeah. And if you get those two right, people will pay for it. People will pay. People will happily pay more than they could pay for similar products or whatever else. If they get that combination, if they really believe in you and they and they know that when things go wrong, as they inevitably will at some point, they know you'll fix it. Yeah. So I remember walking into Kel's office uh, and to be fair, the business was doing okay, but we wasn't, you know, it wasn't like we were sort of, you know, flying at that, that particular point. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and we had a lot of competition and generally we were winning a bit of a price war. And so what kind of hit me was, 
we were getting in these conversations with customers, you know, prospective customers, and they'd say, okay, so you guys do job posting, great. How much is it? That's the first question. Right. And then you'd go, well, you know, let's, before we get into price, let's talk about, and they go, no, no, how much is it? Because well, I won't, you know, I won't name the companies. I'm, sure. I'm, you know, it's job posting and work it out. But, you know, <laughs> this company's 100 quid a month and so-and-so's quoted us 95. So if you could maybe come in at 90 quid, we could probably start talking. Right. And so you're in this horrible situation where you're talking about price before you've even had a chance to, you know, to talk about what you do and why you're different. And I really genuinely believed we were different yeah. at, at times. So I remember walking into Kel's office and I said, look, I had this great plan. I'm going to triple the price. And he said, triple the price. That's an interesting uh, strategy. Considering we're struggling to sell it at the price it's coming at, you really think tripling the price is going to make a difference. And I said, well, maybe not. What I'm hoping it will do is it will at least invite the question as to why we're more expensive. Yeah. <clears throat> and then that will give us the chance to start talking about the value that we provide and give us a chance to qualify the, the, you know, the customer. And so I remember the first time we did it and it was just... You know, so they're, you know, they're 100 quid a month. How much are you? And I said, well, we're 300 quid a month. And the guy went, you know, quiet. And he said, well, why are you 300 quid a month? And I said, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Shut me up for about half an hour. <clears throat> but, you know, but I think that, you know, it was having that belief in what we were doing and knowing that what else was on the market, they weren't, they didn't have that combination. And just being able to engage in, in the conversation and, and let people kind of see, what it was that was different about us. And that really, for me, I think that that was one of the moments that just totally transformed our company. Because we didn't win all the deals, but we certainly started winning more. The ones we won weren't necessarily at three times what we quoted, but they were definitely, you know, a lot higher than what we used to charge. Sure. And we started to bring in more customers and more money, and that helped us to kind of grow the business and speed up the, uh, you know, the, the, the evolution of the company. And Dan, you know something, it's really interesting that that um, pricing strategy um, because, as you said, what it did was it, 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 it was a pattern interrupt with those people that were buying. If they were used to buying on price and used to having people selling similar product that would go, OK, well, how much are you being charged or, you know, uh, re revealing the price points that they were being charged and then having to undercut to do it. Well, the in the pattern interrupt was naming a figure three times as much because that's <laughs> definitely going to interrupt someone's pattern, right? Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely, and, and, it, and it did, and it was, you know, sometimes people would just kind of say, well, you know, you're obviously taking the piss, and, you know, I put the phone down, that happened more than once, but, but, but certainly, you know, certainly what happened more often than not was, was people saying, okay, well, you know, why, well, you know, why are you this priced? Yeah. And then as soon as they say, well, you know, then you've got your opportunity to get in and talk about what it is that you do differently, and really, and what they're after, because job posting isn't just job posting, yeah, you know, right. it wasn't then, it isn't now. So be able to understand what the customer wants and have a proper conversation with them, a business conversation, understand what they're trying to achieve and be able to talk about how you can help them. Sure. Or in many cases, not. You know, it's not, being able, knowing, that, you know, knowing that you don't want to deal or knowing that you couldn't deliver what they want is, is often more important than knowing you know, the alternative. And I think there were too many conversations happening at that point, which would have been as soon as the you know, price sounded right, someone was going to press the go button. And that's not the sort of business you want to be doing. Yeah. No, absolutely right. Thank you for that, Dan. And, and Dan, look, what, what do you do day to day to help drive the standards of the recruitment industry in general? What do you do every day? I, um, look, I've been in this industry 15 years now. Uh, I'm not sure if I like saying that. I always used to kind of like being the young one. I don't think I am anymore. <laughs> no, um, no longer. And, you know, and I've been involved, you know, two businesses that I've run and several businesses that I've either invested in or sat on the board of. And 
I think one of the most important things, probably the most important thing, mm. is that I've always been upfront and honest with people. Yeah. You know, I've told them what I believe I can do. I'm honest when I don't think I can do it. If I screw up, I'll put my hands up. And so a lot of times, and certainly one of the things that I think has helped with, with Cube 19, with some of the customers we've got now, people signing up to long-term deals early in our life cycle, they, they know I'm not, you know, I'm not a fly-by-night. I'm not yeah. out to just take their money. I'm out to provide a great service. And I honestly believe that even though I'm sure my business interests will diversify a little bit over the years, sure. but recruitment is what I love. It's what I know. And I always want to be in this industry. So I can't, and not that I'm that type of person, but I can't afford to not be straight up with people and be honest. And, and actually, that's something that I try and kind of instill in everybody that works for me or works with me is if we're just all upfront and honest with each other, life is so much easier. So, yeah. you know, making sure that, that the people that work here have got the, 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 you know, the confidence and are comfortable enough that if they make a mistake and just put their hand up and say, hey, like, screwed up, so, sorry, yeah. and we'll work out how it happened, we'll fix it up, there's no blame game. And I think yeah. that's really, really important. And, you know, and that isn't just recruitment, that isn't just business, that's just life. Yeah. You know, if you're just honest and a decent person and you try hard, then, you know, People will, uh, you know, give you a bit of slack when things occasionally don't go according to plan. And you know something, Dan. I think when you put out that type of message and you encourage that type of culture within your own business, I just think through osmosis or magicry or whatever it is, it rubs off. It rubs off on the recruitment businesses that you deal with. Uh, you know, your clients, um, the people that you speak to, your suppliers. It rubs off, you know, people see that and go, well, hang on a second, uh, if we're getting that from our relationship with Cube19, then maybe we should be reflecting that back as well. Consciously or subconsciously, it doesn't matter. You're putting good stuff out and hopefully making uh, uh, making the world a better place by, by doing so. Yeah, um, I hope so. And, you know, not everyone's like that. I mean, some people some people don't like <laughs> too much honesty. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, you know, I just find if you, you, you've got to have your own standards. If you live by your own standards... Uh, hopefully other people agree with them and go along with them if they don't then at least you know you know at least you can always kind of look yourself in the mirror and and know that you you know you did what you thought was the right thing so uh yeah here here very good here here <laughs> <laughs> dan um i'm going to ask you to look into your uh, crystal ball your recruitment crystal ball how do you see the industry developing over the next say five years i i think there's gonna be a lot more automation there's a lot of companies that are trying to find ways of automating the process. have always been, but I think now the, the tech is there to do it. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot more um, kind of digital meetings and interviews, you know, like what we're doing now. Exactly. You know, the, the, the long gone are the days where, you know, you have to kind of get together with everybody and do it. And we still do a lot of face-to-face -face meetings, but certainly I'm seeing a lot more companies doing a lot more, um, you know, Skype interviews and whatever else, um, Skype meetings. I think that's, we do tons of stuff, yeah. you know, kind of go-to meetings and, and demos online and so on. I think it's going to be loads more of that. I think people are going to be getting out less and less, uh, which is a bit of a shame because I'm a, very much a face-to-face -face person, but I think that's going to happen a lot. Um, and I, and I, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I would say this, but um, I think people are going to be doing tons more with data analytics, basing all of their decisions around some kind of data. I really, I really feel like, and it's mad because I remember first seeing, you know, recruitment analytics in 2002 and thinking yeah. it was, amazing and you know who I'm talking about yes. as well <laughs> uh, and uh, you know and not seeing it move on that much and I actually really feel like we're in the infancy of you know the industry that I you know the analytics space that I operate in yeah I feel like we're just scratching the surface of what's possible with it and actually when you start to combine all of those things you start to think about you know the automation 
all of the kind of testing. Oh, you know, and you know, I was always really anti like behavioural testing, psychometric sure. testing. So me a long time to come around to it. I think probably because it didn't work at the time. It <laughs> seems to work quite well now. But Good. I think there's a lot more stuff that you know when you start to combine the automation and the tech that's out there with data, with analytics, with the ability to understand what is happening out there. There's some really, really clever stuff you know can and will happen. Well, it's it, it's it's helping people you know business owners business leaders people at their desk it's helping them to make informed decisions and 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 you know sort of being able to look at data of what makes success and what makes you know non-success it's informed fact-based decisions and and look, we've all been about that we've all been clamoring to have that kind of information but as you said technology is growing and grown to a point where we can really start to to utilize that so long may that continue you know, you know i'd add to that though is the the one thing that's troubling me yeah is not enough of that innovations coming from the uk i'm seeing so much i mean you know so much of it in san francisco right so much of it in new york there are some great companies in the UK that are, you know, that are doing some clever stuff. Uh, I think a lot of what I see, a lot of the innovation is much more geared around the corp space, the HR space, right. and not so much around the bit that I love, which is, you know, which is the agencies, the staffing companies. Uh, and I, you know, I would, I would love to see some more real top quality innovation. Not, not what you see a lot of is a lot of, you know, same again. Yes, it's a lot of people doing variations of what someone else has done, and not coming in and saying, right, here's this total, you know new way of doing something and you do see that in san francisco why why do you think we're not seeing that in the uk and it is more prolific in places like the states dan i don't think it's the ideas that's right. for sure there's a lot of smart people out there i'm talking to people all the time i actually think it's about it's a funding issue right it's really it's very difficult to raise funds here um you know there's there's plenty of good government schemes in terms of angel investment sure but Angel investors in the UK are far more conservative than they are in the US. Yeah. They're much less likely to take a, a you know a, a true punt. Right. Obviously, investing in any startup is a is a punt, but I think you, you there's a people like to get into it with people I've got a track record. So I was able to raise quite a bit largely off of my track record. If I yeah. hadn't have had that, I'm not sure I'd have got anywhere near what what I, what I had um, or what I managed to raise. Sure. I would say that the and you know the venture capitalists and so on in the UK, they're much more likely to come in at a slightly later stage, right? Than you know, whereas in the US they're coming earlier. And so for a lot of the people out there, I, I talk to people all the time, I, and all different ages, but a lot of young guys, great ideas, and they need cash to get off the ground, and they can't really find it, and they're in right. that kind of catch twenty two position. So I think that's one of our problems. It's not something we can really solve. The other thing that's which is kind of weird on it as well is that. The HR space is kind of seen as quite a sexy space at the moment. Yeah. Whereas the recruitment industry, the agency space, most, if you don't know this space, it doesn't seem very attractive. Yeah. An outside investor. And that's something I think we, as an industry, all need to work on. There's been a lot, you know, people are always talking about it. How do we make ourselves look better to candidates and to potential clients and to government? And, you know, but, but actually, if we want to be doing some really clever stuff, and certainly in the recruitment tech space, the industry has to look attractive. It has yeah. to look like it's a nice prize to be to be had there. And I think that's probably another area where companies in the space can kind of struggle to to show the you know potential value. I think <clears> that's <throat> a really really good point. And considering how much the global recruitment industry is worth, um, you know, forget about UK for a minute, but how much the global recruitment industry is worth, we should have a better perception amongst you know general public but but specifically investing public as well 
um, yeah. of our industry. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's 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 global, it's huge, um, but but not enough people have got the most positive perception of it. So. Yeah, it's a fair point. Dan, listen, thank you so much for that. I'm really keen to move you into our lightning round now um, and ask you again. I don't know if lightning's ever been my, uh, my sort of specialist skill, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll have a good try. We'll have a good I'll try. I'll try. I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, question number one. What's the number one thing that you see holding recruiters back from being more successful? Uh, I... And I think this is recruiters and salespeople the same. Yeah. I think it's down to desire. It's how much you want it. And you get, and the thing in recruitment is people are really good at like telling you what you want to hear. Same in sales. They're good at telling you what you want to hear. They look the part. They, they say the right things. They look like they're working hard. And the thing that separates the really, really great people from those that are just okay is how much they really want it. Is that desire? Like, are they actually really sitting there at night doing that hour of planning that we always talk about? You know, yeah. <laughs> the, the, you know that, that thing. And I, I think that's the only thing that holds people back because recruitment's, Recruitment, if you really want it, recruitment's not that hard. No. Now, if you work hard and you, you're smart and you, you really give it a good go, it's not that difficult. Most people just don't really want it that much. And, and I, I totally agree with that. You know, I think about some of the characters and, and, and people that we've known, you know, sort of jointly and separately and introduced to each other. And the mark of any of the most successful ones have been that burning desire you know for different reasons some of them you know it's like it's a necessity they had to survive and that gave them that desire some of fear of failure some of them clamoring for success but whatever it was that desire in all of those people the thing that's most common is that burning desire to um to do it so yeah no i would agree with that one uh, you know for sure um dan what's the best piece of business advice or recruitment advice you've ever received in your life <laughs> I uh, well, this is going to sound really obvious. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it is to all people. Okay, but I remember hearing this. It's one of the first things I ever heard about when I first started uh, thinking about business. Right. It was keep it simple and watch the cash. Okay. I know that sounds like the most you know basic thing you can think of in business, but if you think if you think about so many of the business ideas you hear, they're not simple. Yeah. And how many people just run out of money? <laughs> you know, or you know, struggling for cash, and I just. It was um, it was a Mike Southern thing. I'm sure it was actually. I remember when he was first uh, doing the Beer Mount Entrepreneur. Yes, the first business books I ever read actually, and there was a bit in there about it might have even been a whole chapter on it. You know, keep it simple and watch the cash. I think that's great advice. I really, really do. Start, start there, and then we'll worry about everything else afterwards. It's interesting, isn't it? Because too many people, I think, complicate things. And, you know, we complicate things. Keep it simple. Look after the cash. It's like you know, almost two commandments that uh, all business owners should be should be sticking to. If you um, think about it, I think it comes back. Sorry, I know this is lightning, is it? But you know, that's this thing about the, the elevator pitch. Everyone always talks about the elevator pitch. Yes. And I think if you can't get it in ten words, it's too long for the yeah. first bit. And some of these elevator pitches, it's like they're going up, the, you know, the world's tallest building in Dubai <laughs> to the penthouse. That's how long their elevator pitch is. You know, <laughs> just keep it simple. Ten words is enough. It's true. I like that. I like that a lot. Dan, um, tell us about something that you're using um, in your business. Um, I don't know, that's working brilliantly in your business right now. Well, look, I'm slightly biased on this one. So sort of full disclosure, and I mentioned it at the start, I'm on the, I'm on the board at Epster. I'm actually an investor in, in the company. Sure. Um, but we uh, we use that. We, my, my guys here are using Epster to... Um, Connect Salesforce, which is our, our CRM, 
uh, with Gmail uh, and LinkedIn and various other sites. And, uh, and and to be fair, we didn't always use it. You know, it's been I had to get to a certain point where <laughs> where it was really useful for a company like ours. It was yeah. very much a recruitment tool previously, but it's you know recruitment and and, and sales, and we're having you know really good results to that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so uh, that wasn't what wasn't is, meant to be a plug or whatever. No, listen, no, no, don't worry about the plug at all. But what would Ebster do for a recruitment business? Do you think, Dan? What what kind of benefit would it bring for people that don't know Ebster? Well, it's mainly it mainly works with with Bullhorn, but it's it's about linking you know things like Bullhorn with with email. So you can see if you're in your email, you can see the record relating to it in Bullhorn and and, and vice versa. So just making sure people haven't got to waste their time. Yeah. You know, going from place to place. It's, yeah, it's the automation thing again. It's just saving you time by doing part of your job for you. And time's, you know, our most precious commodity. So, um, you know, anything that helps recruiters do that is a, is a good thing. Um, Dan, look, it's really interesting with you and I. We've known each other a number of years and we're, we're forever, you know, from the day we met, we've been swapping um, the latest business book that I've read, the latest business book that you've read. Um, what's the best... You used- Sorry. So let's say you, know, you used to have a beard, and I'm still trying to grow one. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, tell us what, what's the best business book that you've read in the last six months that I've not talked to you about. I um, this is a bit more of a tech one, but I, I really liked Behind the Cloud by okay. Mark Benioff. <clears throat> Mark Benioff's the founder of Salesforce, <clears throat> okay. and it just talks about how you know how he took this idea and this concept and. You know, and build it into a you know, well, I think about a thirty, forty billion dollar company, and it's really fascinating. You know, getting kind of in behind, uh, you know, that kind of business. Although I suppose if you want one that's a bit more, bit more general, because uh, not everyone watching is going to be kind of like tech obsessed like I am, um, was uh, was Drive by a guy called Daniel Pink, which is about motivation and psychology of motivation. I thought that was just fascinating because it's pretty much everything you thought you knew about motivation, you were wrong. Get up, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that was a, that was a really good one. I recommend that highly. I, I love that Dan Pink book as well, and, and, and many others, a couple of others that he's written. So um, that's good. But I will be checking out that, um, was it Mark Benioff, you said? Mark Benioff, yeah, oh, Behind the Cloud. Fantastic. I'll be checking that one out. Send your copy. Always on your recommendations. Good. Um, Dan, final question for you. If you woke up tomorrow morning, Still got all of the knowledge, all of the experience, um, and everything else at your disposal, but your business wasn't around, and you had to start all over again. What would you do? What would be the first kind of things that you would do? You know, I've already done it. <laughs> if you think after I sold Broadbean, uh, my business—I mean, you know—obviously we got paid for, to, you know, for it to disappear. Sure, but it was gone on the same. So. Uh, I'm quite predictable, you know. I took a few months off, and then I came back and I started another recruitment technology company. So, I, you know, ha- having done that, and then, and uh, you know, knowing what knowing what drives me, knowing what's what gets me going, un- unquestionably, I'd be doing that again. I think probably I'd just do it somewhere warmer. <laughs> I think I'd do what I've done. You know, another recruitment technology business in the sun. Exactly that's right. What, that's what I would do. That's what I would do. <laughs> and, and what a great place. Yeah, exactly. Let's do it somewhere nice and warm yeah. uh, the yeah. next time. But actually, Dan, it's a great question to ask you because you're right. You know, it's like that had happened for you. And it's interesting because I think people will be interested to know that taking the couple of months off and, you know, how you decided to do what you did. Was there, was there a thought process that happened for you in taking that time off? Uh, I got bored. <laughs> <laughs> I just sort of I wasn't really sure what to do I'd, I'd only ever 
you know, if you think I'd only ever been at school or worked, right? That's it. I, you know, I left school and went straight into recruitment. So I'd, I'd never had any time off, and I, you know, I, I suppose I was a little bit along the way to that, you know, that quote I mentioned right at the start about I could do what I wanted when I wanted. Sure. I couldn't really do it with who I wanted because what you realise when you're not working is everyone else has got a job. <laughs> so you know, so there wasn't. I don't know. I just thought I always, I always loved travelling, so I took a bit of time off. Probably the mistake that I made is I didn't have anything, I didn't really have a plan. Sure. And so, you know, so I went away and I went to some amazing places in Asia and Australia and so on. But most of the time, I, you know, a lot of time I was on my own, I was traveling on my own. So what I do, pick up a book, <laughs> probably a business book. Yeah. Start getting some ideas, start getting excited. And so in the end, I lasted about four months. And then, uh, and then I came back and, and got to work again. You filled your head with loads of knowledge though. And I think that... that I shouldn't have done it. It's should that- have read novels. Should have read novels. <laughs> <laughs> a few more months off. <laughs> Dan, listen, we're coming to uh, the end, but before we say goodbye, is there one piece of final advice you'd give our viewers and listeners? And then also, you know, how, how would people get in touch with you after this show? Uh, I guess the, the only piece of advice, I and mean, I, I don't really, unless someone specifically says, you know, give me some advice on the X situation, I always find it a bit of a strange one to give advice, but, sure. I, you know, the, the, the one thing I would say, and this, this applies to anybody, whether you own a business, whether you work somewhere, whether it's your hobby, whether it's what you're doing on your time off, is just do something you love. If you do something you love, you, you know, that's most of it. The rest you can work out. So, you know, and if you're not doing something you love, <laughs> then find something you love and do that instead. Um, yeah, I suppose that would be my, my piece of advice. I think that's great advice, Dan. I totally agree with that. I think it's, you know, it's that thing of finding something you're passionate about. And again, you know, I remember that period for you pre-Cube. Um, if anyone, uh, you know, knows Dan at that particular time, it's like, boy, he was getting passionate about data and about analytics. And <laughs> you were just filling the whole space. Anybody that spoke to you during that time, that's what you were getting passionate about. So it was no surprise to any of us that uh, Cube 19 was was born from that. Um, well, so I'll tell you a little secret as well, Roy. And please I don't do. Know you, you probably, hopefully, you remember this. Uh, and, and when you can decide whether uh, yeah, this is a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> <clears throat> when I was trying to work out what to do next after Broadbeam, before I went travelling, you were the last person I had lunch with. Okay. We went to that Thai place, and uh, <laughs> we had a really kind of like a bit of a deep heart to heart at that point. I remember, and then the next thing you know, I was off travelling. So uh, yeah, you can decide whether uh, <laughs> send me off in a good way or a bad way. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'll work it out. And I'll come back to you on it. Um, Dan, listen, how can people get in touch with you and what you're doing at Cube 19 after this show? Uh, I'm pretty easy to find, dan at cube19.com. I'm always happy to get emails from people. Uh, or Twitter, I'm on Twitter quite a bit. So I'm at dan underscore mcg. But you'll uh, you'll find me. Just look out for the bloke with a long face. <laughs> <laughs> dan, listen, on behalf of everyone at Recruiters Live Lounge, thank you so much for joining us, for um, sharing your experience, but also your journey as well. It's been a real pleasure to, to interview you, Dan. Long overdue. I'm really, really pleased that we got to do this. Yeah, it's been good fun. Oh, listen, thank you. I really appreciate it. And to everyone that's listening, if you want to grab more interviews like this with inspirational recruitment business leaders, subscribe, okay? Get them sent directly to your inbox uh, and get to get, see them on a regular basis. Until we see you again, take care. Bye-bye. been listening to Recruiters Live Lounge with Roy Ripper.
Join us next time for more insights and incredible success journeys to help you be a better recruitment business leader. This episode is sponsored by EasyPay. EasyPay provide funding, payroll and back office services to support the recruitment industry. All your back office admin is done under one roof. Their team will become an extension of your own. EasyPay want to offer one month's free fees to any new customers who come through Recruiters Live Lounge. Just go to easypayservices.co.uk forward slash rec live lounge or quote Recruiters Live Lounge when calling them.